This is Terry Shepard. I first came into contact with author Don Hosmer on Twitter. She was a regular participant in the hashtag writing prompts that flew across my timeline. Dawn was able to distill the essence of emotion and energy into 240-character bites that taught me a lot about writing succinctly and powerfully. So naturally, I invited her to join me on Authors on the Air. We recorded our visit in April of 2021, but as many of you know, Zoom can be an uneven experience. Neither of us were satisfied with the audio quality, and we agreed to reconnect later for a redo. Then life started to happen. We didn't sync back up, and the months passed. In November, Dawn got an unpleasant surprise, a frightening cancer diagnosis that totally reprioritized her life. She passed away on July 5th, 2022, leaving a loving family and scores of friends behind. Everyone better for having known Dawn. And all of us wishing we could hear her voice one more time. So I went back to that April session and cleaned things up as best I could, leaving the program virtually unedited to give you the full flavor of Dawn's engaging personality and the backstory on her life as a storyteller. Let's turn back the clock to April 14th, 2021, and my Authors on the Air conversation with Dawn Hosmer. Godspeed, Dawn. We mourn your loss but are grateful that you are finally free of a body that could no longer contain your spirit. Authors on the Air with Terry Shepard, award-winning broadcaster, narrator, and author of the Jessica Ramirez thrillers. Brought to you by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network and by Ramirez and Clark Publishers. Presenting Terry Shepard's latest Jessica Ramirez adventure, Chasing the Captain. Available in print, digital, and audiobook everywhere. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm Terry Shepard. Dawn Hosmer is the author of four books, The End of Echoes, Bits and Pieces, the short story collection Mosaic, and her latest, Somewhere in Between. Her tales are a tapestry of experience, spanning visceral topics like abusive marriages, loss and redemption, and the paranormal. As she describes in the blurb for her short story collection Mosaic, Each of us is made up of many different pieces that, when fit together, make a beautiful, messy whole. Those tiny pieces in and of themselves don't mean much and are easily overlooked. But when we put them all together, a full picture of what it means to be human starts to form. Along with author Christine Raymond, she hosts the YouTube channel The Felonious Scribe, delving into mystery, mayhem, and murder. A lifelong Ohio resident, she's the mother of four, who enjoys travel, home and garden television, true crime, and coffee. (laughs) I first discovered Dawn's art on Twitter, where she regularly distills plots into just 240 characters. Her books are available in paperback, digital, and audio at Amazon. Before we bring her on, let's enjoy a taste of her latest somewhere in between chapter one now bright lights and the heavy sickening scent of flowers assault me i'm lost i went from complete and utter darkness the most restful of sleeps to this i scan the room trying to figure out where i am what is happening 
rows of chairs, flowers everywhere, elegant paisley wallpaper. A man dressed in a black three-piece suit glides in the room from a side door, moving soundlessly. Excuse me, sir, I shout. He makes no acknowledgement that he's heard me. I try again. Sir? Again, nothing. I'm astounded at people's rudeness nowadays. Everyone tends to be so lost in their own worlds that they don't even realize when they're being spoken to. I could be jumping to conclusions. Maybe he's deaf. Perhaps a touch will make him realize I'm speaking to him. I reach out to touch his arm. My hand settles on it. But again, there's no reaction from him. It's as if he can't feel me. He's so cold, I wonder for a moment if he might be ill. Sir, I say a bit louder, with a definite edge of frustration. But again, I get no response from him. I glance around the room, hoping someone else is nearby who will help me figure out where I am. When I see it, an elegant white casket with a floral spray on top reading mother, wife, daughter. I'm in a funeral home. But how did I get here? Whose funeral is it? I search my memory for something, anything to tell me how I got here and whose funeral it is, but come up blank. I watch as the man reaches in to straighten the emerald green dress worn by the woman in the casket. He is expressionless, almost robotic. I crane my neck to see around him. I scream and fall to my knees, unable to process what I just saw. My mind is whirring, trying to make sense of it, but I can't. It doesn't make sense. My body is in the casket. It's my funeral. Don Hosmer, that is one of the most compelling openings I've ever heard. Thank you so much. And I loved hearing you read it. Like it kind of gave me chills to hear you read it. Where do your ideas come from? It depends on the book, but all of them start with a what if question. And then all of them also have some touches of true life in them. So this part in somewhere in between I was watching The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. And if you've seen that, there's a scene when they're in the funeral home. And when we were watching it, it was completely dark in the room. And I had a notepad laying next to me. And I thought, what if you could attend your own funeral? Like, what would that be like? What would people say how would they act differently than they did in real life so I jotted this question down in the darkness with my terrible handwriting to come back to later and um, I just went with it I was actually in the middle of writing another book I was about halfway through and I stopped to write somewhere in between because it would not let go of me and how did you build the protagonist You know, before I built her, her family members actually came to me first. Um, So in the book, the, her mother's character is a narcissistic um, attention seeking woman. And she was actually one of the first characters that came to me. And I thought, how would this woman be acting at her daughter's funeral? Um, And As that character developed, then Mackenzie, the main character, developed for me. Like, you know, 
how's she going to react to her attention seeking mother using her funeral to get attention for herself. Um, so it all kind of started with the side characters, which helped form who the main character was for me. Are the characters in your stories based in any way on people that you've met people that, you know, yes. <laughs> um, all of my stories have, as I said, they're inspired by real life events. Um, in this book, I don't think I realized that it was inspired by real life events until I wrote the book. And I had a moment where I sat back and could put definite examples for my own life and instances in my own life to into the book. Um, and I didn't even realize I had done that. And it kind of hit me hard and made me look at some things differently. Like, I'm like, wow, <laughs> I hadn't processed all this because I am a pantser. So I don't plot at all. I just sit down and start writing. And it surprised me how much of my own story and people from my own life worked its way into the book without me even realizing it. Let's go back to the beginning. How did you start writing? I've always written. Um, I wrote my first little book in this in the third grade that I found recently in my crawl space. And um, I've always enjoyed it. it, but it's taken some different directions over the years. Uh, for a long time, I my goal was to get my PhD. I studied sociology in college and I thought I would love to get my PhD and um, do research type writing. Well, marriage and children happened, so that did not happen. Um, and when my older kids were young, I tried my hand at a series of children's books, which I tried to get published and submitted, and those got rejected. And then I was inspired by a real life event that touched me in a very personal and tragic way to write the end of echoes. And that was the first novel I attempted writing and the story just poured out of me. And um, I realize now that it was part of my healing journey and very cathartic for me to write. Um, and it's also the book that's closest to my heart. Well, once I wrote that, of course, I tried to go the traditional publishing route, find an agent, find um, a publisher and got so many rejections. I think over 10 years and two different manuscripts, I received well over a hundred rejections. And so somewhere in that time, I thought, well, let me try to write another book. Maybe this first book was a fluke. Let's see if I can write another book. So I wrote bits and pieces and that's actually the book that was published first. And how did you find that publisher? Um, actually through Twitter, I, a friend of mine, we went out to dinner one night and she kept telling me I needed to join Twitter and I resisted uh, because I didn't want any more social media in my life. It was too time consuming as was. And she's like, oh, but the writing community there is wonderful. You'll find other authors and agents and publishers. And so finally she wore me down over the course of a meal and I joined Twitter and like everything, when I do something, it's all or nothing. And so I thought, okay, if I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And I'm going to get to know people. I'm going to participate. 
within my first two months on Twitter, there were two different pitch contests. And um, for those that may not know what a pitch contest is, it's where you can pitch your story idea in 240 characters or less and agents and publishers watch that. And if they like your post, that means they want more information. Um, So in those two pitch contests, I received more interest from agents and publishers than I had in the prior 10 years. Um, So I, of course, you know, sent off my manuscript and I pitched bits and pieces first because I thought it had wider commercial appeal. Um, But yeah, I actually had a lot of interest in bits and pieces, um, both from small publishers, some agents and a larger publisher. When I made the decision to go with my publisher, I actually had some interest from a very large literary agency that I wanted to work with. And she read the manuscript over the course of a weekend, got back to me and said, we love the book. We want you to revise and resubmit. And we're pretty sure we'll take it as long as you get rid of the major twist in the story. So anyone that has read bits and pieces knows what that big twist at the end was. And at the same time I got that offer, I also had an offer from a smaller independent publisher. And I thought about it over the weekend and I needed to stay true to my story. I did not want to get rid of that twist. Um, So I, I made the decision. It was very hard, but I made the decision to go with the smaller independent publisher so that I could maintain my story's integrity. It's a balancing act, isn't it? Oh, it, and you never quite know if it, you're making the right choice or not. <laughs> like, I, I still question years later, like, was that the right choice? Um, I don't know. I, I, I do know based on readers' reactions, however, that they love that twist. So to me, that tells me, yes, you did the right thing. But I think even more importantly than the reader's feedback is prior to signing that publishing contract with the small publisher, I could not write for almost two years. I could not write because I had received so much rejection And as you know, and I'm pretty open about it, I have an autoimmune disease, which greatly affects my energy. So at the time I was working, I'm a mom, I'm a wife trying to write and my rejections, I'm just like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't, I have maybe two hours of energy a day. Why am I spending my two hours of energy doing something that's not going to result in anything. And um, I just, I literally could not write. I kept querying and I kept trying to get published. I think it was out of spite at that point. I'm like, no, I, every rejection I got, I'd send out like 10 more query letters. So I'm like, I am going to do this. Um, as soon as I signed with that small publisher though, I was able to write again. So that was the biggest sign to me that it was the right choice for me at that time. Did that publisher also publish Mosaic too for you? No, that 
publisher actually, as I said, they were a small, relatively new independent publisher. And after about, I think I published in November and within a year, they, some of their staff was changing and they already had a very small staff. Um, so they offered to either keep my book with them or to get the, get the rights, rights back. And I chose to get the rights back at that point because I had already started publishing my other books with Gestalt. So I thought, well, this makes more sense to have all my books with the same publisher. So I did get the rights back and then it was published under Gestalt. And how did that relationship develop for you? Um, actually, Jason Stokes, who is the founder and owner of Gestalt, he and I became friends on Twitter. And we would check in from time to time about our writing and what was going on. And he had read bits and loved it. Um, he always said, you know, it was one of his favorite books ever. And I knew that his goal was always to start publishing other authors. He just wasn't at that point yet, but that's why he started his company. And when I knew it was time to get the end of Echoes out, it, it just needed to happen. And I actually approached him and I said, hey, you want to publish other authors? How about taking a chance on me? And so we talked about that because there's nothing wrong with self-publishing, nothing at all. But at that point, I did not feel ready to do it and to take on all the extras that are involved in self-publishing. Um, so I really wanted a team effort. Um, so he and I talked and I was his first client. Um, and so he published The End of Echoes, Mosaic and Somewhere in Between. Don Hosmer is our guest. The website is Dawn, H-O-S-M-E-R.com. Somewhere in between is her latest. The End of Echoes is an amazing, life-changing experience. And Mosaic is fun. Tell us about how that group of short stories and ideas came to pass. Um, well, as you mentioned, I think in the intro, I participate in the daily prompt writing events on Twitter. So they'll give you a word um, and then you have to incorporate that word into a very short story. And at first, when I first started doing that, it was so difficult because I'm like 240 characters, how in the world do you tell a story in 240 characters? Um, but over time, I really liked the exercise that it gave my writer brain um, each day to try to be concise yet pack a punch in very few words. So I, I kept participating and I had had many people reach out to me and say, they loved my little stories. Had I ever thought about putting a book together of them? And I'm like, well, maybe. And then a friend of mine on Twitter actually did a similar book. And she's like, you know, this was a lot of fun to write and put together. So I decided to go ahead and compile some of my favorites and put them into a book. Um, I, I'm glad I didn't know how much work that was going to be before I did it, because I'm like, I've already written it. How hard is this going to be? It was so much work. Let me tell you. <laughs> Why? What was so complicated about it? Twitter doesn't make it easy to go back and find your previous 
tweets. And so it was a lot of searching in their platform, which was not easy to use, and then transferring it over. And, and in Twitter, sometimes we aren't completely grammatically correct because you're trying to make it fit in 240 characters. So going back and making sure everything was grammatically correct as well was kind of a chore. <laughs> but I, I really like it. I, it's I think it shows a different range of what my writing experience is like because my books tend to be heavier and darker. Um, and that that probably plays into my field. Um, I worked in social work for many years. And so I'd like to explore some of the issues that people deal with in real life in my books. And I feel like mosaic I got to play around a little bit more and show that, yes, I can write sweet, <laughs> sweet stories. I can write romantic stories. Someone doesn't always have to die. <laughs> Don Hosmer seven, the number seven is her Twitter handle. If you want to get a sense for how she does these magical 240 character tomes, what is the secret to writing a tweet that resonates with people? In those little short stories that I write, I feel like the secret is packing an emotional punch, whether that's tapping into fear, that's tapping into grief, that's tapping into shock, but it's somehow using that little short space to tap into something we can all relate to. And, and sometimes my, I miss wildly, <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, yeah, this one was horrible, but that's okay. Um, but I think packing in that emotional punch in some way is what gets the most, most effectiveness. Um, and I actually have sold many books because people have read my little very short stories on Twitter, they're like, okay, if you can do this to me in 240 characters, I want to see what you can do in a book. So I always highly recommend authors participate because it does show your writing style and kind of what, what type of emotional impact you can have with your words. Why social work? Um, I've always had a passion for people. I'm an empathetic person. Uh, I'm empathic, but not in the um, sense that I touch people and pick up parts of their story. But I am very much someone who is in tune with other people and um, want to make a difference where I can. I feel like we all have broken pieces of ourselves and things that have hurt us in our lives. And sometimes the biggest gift you can give to somebody is just listening and being there and helping them see past their own barriers. And I feel like that's what social work did. It allowed me to touch someone else's life and help them see a picture that maybe they couldn't see through their own trauma. Without revealing any names or spoilers, who are your listeners? That's a deep question, Terry. And I think that what I've discovered over the years is that I didn't have listeners. So I wanted to be that for other people. Um, and I think that's probably what drew me to social work and to writing is 
that need and desire to be heard and listened to that I provide for others. I needed that for me. So that's, that was a very insightful question. That took me about 25 years to figure out. And I think you nailed it in about a minute. <laughs> I think it's what draws a lot of writers to the craft. The people that I've talked to over the course of authors on the air have that same common thing. We write to express things that are unresolved. Exactly. Exactly. They say that that's what generates relationships, just period, is unresolved issues. And I think that it guides me in life, in, sometimes at my own expense. And I've gotten better, I think, at setting the boundaries of protecting myself because I know that I can take on other people's issues very easily. And that affects my health. But I try to be that person, even through a computer screen. I want to be there to uplift others. I want to be there to encourage others. I want, you know, I see so many tweets where people are just sharing bits of themselves. And I want to honor that and respect it with, even if it's a comment, a GIF, whatever, but just to let them know that, hey, I hear you, I see you, and I care that you're here. And um, I try to do that through social media as well. Don Hosmer does that very well. She's our guest on Authors on the Air. DonHosmer.com is the website. She has, as of today, 25.2 thousand followers, and you follow 10,000 people. How can you keep track of a timeline that's so busy and still give that individual attention that you're so good at? That's a very good question. And I... Twitter is notorious for people making lists. So a lot of people make lists of like, here's my favorite people that I want to keep up on every day. I don't do that because to me, that feels like favoritism. Like if I'm going to follow you, I care about you personally. And I want to know what's going on in your life. I'm not going to separate you into lists, but you know, whatever works for each individual user is fine. I do miss a lot. um, But I try to engage with what I do find. And sometimes I'll go visit certain people's timeline just to say, hey, I wonder what's going on with this person. And it's funny because I follow so many people. I do notice when people disappear and I'm like, huh, I haven't seen this person for a while. And I go to check on them and see what's up with them. And, you know, I I am very big too, where if I have a personal connection with you, I don't mind DMing with you. to get to know you a little better, as long as it's not a creepy person, but if they're creepy, I'm probably not following them. So, (laughs) um, but I recently joined TikTok as well, because I had heard from many people about the writing and book community on there. And so that's been fun, but also a challenge at learning a different platform that's all video based. Um, But it's been wonderful. I've met some very wonderful people. My book sales have quadrupled. Um, so I would recommend any authors join TikTok. It really is a way, it's a different way to promote yourself and your books and build a different kind of community. What's your handle over on TikTok? That's a good question. Let me look real quick. At, at Dawn, oh, wait a minute. I could probably find it. Oh, at Dawn underscore Hosmer. 
And what is the secret to engaging on TikTok? I think it's like any other social platform, a social media platform. It is um, making sure to watch other people's videos, comment, um, stitch or duet them um, to show your support. I've tried to call out some of my um, indie author friends on TikTok, even if they're not on TikTok, uh, by showing their book covers, etc. cetera. Um, so I think it's, it's the same as any other platform. I, I feel like a lot of people join social media thinking, what can I get out of this? And I think to get anything, you need to give back. And so I go into everything I do, but especially social media with, I cannot expect something I'm not willing to give. And that's why I buy people's books that I follow and or that follow me and I review them and I talk about them and I hype them up because how can I expect them to do that for me if I'm not going to do that for them? You recently became a podcaster. Tell us about the program. Um, my daughter and I, um, my daughter's in her mid twenties and she and I both are true crime junkies. We love listening to true crime podcasts and we both love reading um, so we're like, how could we combine kind of our love of both of these things into one podcast? And we started Unravel the Binding, which is a mother-daughter book club podcast, and it's available on all platforms. And so because we like these darker subjects, we've decided to start um, with reading psychological thrillers, suspense, mystery, crime, and we pick a book and read it together and with listeners, we hope. And then we discuss that book in detail. And when I say in detail, we give every single spoiler. So we encourage people not to listen to the podcast if they haven't read the book, because it will be spoiled for them. And it, it's fun because we are, we're different generations so it's interesting to talk about some of the issues that come up with this book with a multi-generational approach. Um, so we're having a lot of fun with that. We want to, we've, we've focused on a lot of bigger authors and more well-known books so far, but our goal is then to bring in some smaller indie authors the more we talk and once we have an audience on board because we want some... Um, attention and focus given to some smaller authors that don't have huge budgets. Um, and then we also, with the podcast, do a flash fiction um, kind of submission process for every book we read. We pick a word and allow listeners to submit their short stories of 50 words or less. And then we read those, which some people have really had fun with because they're like, oh, I can get my words out there. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. I admire anyone who can do this and still do other things. <laughs> you have a lot going on in your life, it sounds like. The last question that I ask every one of my guests is this. If you could go back and talk to your 16-year-old self, what advice would you give that young woman? To trust my gut and 
to be more um, protective of myself and what I give to others and to expect more from other people that I think that would be, yeah, don't settle for less than what you deserve. A fascinating conversation with Don Hosmer, our special guest and authors on the air. DawnHosmer.com is her website. Unravel the Binding is the podcast. Pop that into your podcatcher. It sounds like one I'm going to be adding. Dawn underscore Hosmer on TikTok. Sounds like she's selling books over there. So you should go check it out to find out why. And please become one of her followers on Twitter. That's how she and I met Dawn Hosmer 7 over there. Dawn. I wish we had more time to talk. Thanks so much for being a guest. It's been Thank great. Thank you, Terry. Authors on the Air with Terry Shepard is a copyrighted presentation of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Check out Chasing the Captain, the newest Jessica Ramirez thriller from Terry Shepard, available in print, digital, and audiobook. I'm Lisa Davis. Join Terry in the next chapter for Authors on the Air.